My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. And joining me, I'm just going to talk like this, and joining me <laughs> as podcast producer is, that's a bad, I'm not going to talk like that, uh, Ryan Butts. <laughs> Hello, Ryan Butts. How are you? I feel like your brain's still on daylight savings time. Oh, bye bye. <laughs> this daylight savings time thing. It's killing me, man. Killing me. But I'm waking up slowly. Yeah, you're cup on of coffee. cup of coffee number eight. It should be doing pretty good. <laughs> it's hazelnut like crazy. Isn't it? I'm, <laughs> I'm breathing hazelnut. I like stop. me some flavored coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no man coffee for me. No Just man a lady coffee, coffee for me. <laughs> uh, we also have a fantastic guest with us. Lee Jessup, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm a morning person, so this daylight saving thing. Good for me. Do you remember when we were in Chicago? And again, I got my time zone mis- mixed up. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that. And I called you to tell you you could sleep an at, extra hour. An extra hour. And I actually woke you up. Because you called me at like early. yeah. Because you called me up at like five thirty in the morning. Yeah, because I was looking at my computer <laughs> that didn't have the right time, and I like, and I'm, and then also Lee had told me. In, in the plane that she has a very hard time going back to sleep or you know if sleep is interruptus is not good for her sure. and guess who interruptus did her, mm-hmm. her sleep also, and guess who felt really guilty all through that day oh my god <laughs> oh my god i could not stop apologizing i'm still apologizing you don't need to i got to the gym it was great was, what's a gym that's <laughs> so so not only that so so lee and i were we were co-teaching um uh lee is and we're gonna find out very soon she is a, an a amazing career coach and um i got the pleasure of co-teaching with her in chicago and in new york um co-teaching uh, a business and pitching class which we are about to teach in LA and also stream live and we're going to tell everybody about that. I can't wait. It's, I love teaching with you. It's going to be so much fun. And the good thing about it is maybe less potential for robbery because <laughs> in Chicago. Oh yeah. So so uh she would teach the first half and I would teach the second half and because we were in a, another place and we wanted to see some some friends, she went off to have breakfast with somebody while I was teaching my part. Yep. And I get this text that says, uh, my wallet's been stolen. And yeah. T- well, here's the thing. My, wa- my wallet was stolen and I realized that it was stolen with all of my money that included money to get back to the hotel where Pilar is teaching so oh. that we can get to the airport and get on a plane to New York yeah. within like two and a half hours. Oh my gosh. So it was one of those moments that I, you know, I text i realized what happened and and the cafe people are like do you want us to call the police how long will it take an hour no i i have to get to the airport i have to get to new york so i text pilar and i start walking from the loop up to um to mag mile to find pilar and pilar is calling me going i'm getting somebody to come pick you up we have a police officer in the room we're gonna deal with this (laughs) (laughs) and from that moment on she was just the champion of my saving yeah because she was just pulling me together at every given moment 
I was, you know, at this point fantasizing about, okay, maybe she'll rent a car and I'll drive it to New York and then she'll report it stolen. And that's how I'll get to New York if I can't get on a plane. But she was fantastic. I mean, she just pulled me through those two days where suddenly like no husband with a wallet. So it's just me with my ID, with my money, with everything gone, wondering how I'm going to get on a plane. She even, she was so incredibly nice that when they pulled me aside for the security check because, in the airport. Because she didn't have like a real, I had nothing. real ID. Yeah. I had nothing. I mean, it was literally my word. And I said to her, you know, go, go, go do your thing. Go shopping, go hang out. I'll find you. She sat and waited for me for like the hour that they did all the questions and the body check and the yada, yada, oh, wow. and was just watching over me like a guardian angel. She was amazing. I was making sure they didn't do anything inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch that. I mean, I, I was, I was like on them. So. Oh, she was totally <laughs> eyeing them. They knew there was somebody there on this my is side. This not an excuse to take advantage of my friend. Exactly. But, um, I'm curious, how did you get on the plane without an ID? Well, it turns out we walked up, they walked me to the, to the desk of the criminals without an ID. And I thought like the moment that I said to the, you know, the, the ID check guy that I have no ID on me, that like lights are going to start blurring and then like alarms are going to go off and the lady without an ID is here. Oh my God. <laughs> and they walk us over to the desk and he's like, he asks one lady, where's Maria? Oh, she walked over the two other guys without IDs. So it turns out that it's more popular than you would think. Oh, wow. Um, which I, I don't need to know that. But they ask, <laughs> you know, they call some data bank. They ask a lot of questions, a lot of, you know. But you don't know where they're getting their information from, which is the freaky part. Because oh, yeah. they'll ask you, you know, where's your last place of employment? Which for me is a really tricky question. Because the company, the last company that I worked for, changed names literally six times in nine years. Wow. I don't know which record they're looking at. So, you know, they ask a lot of questions. They verify you or you. Then they do the whole physical body check thing, which is not as dramatic as it sounds. <laughs> Luggage check. And they get you through. But it's it's very unsteady, yeah. to say the least. Weirdly, I had an ID and they still had me bend over. It was really odd. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. But... <laughs> See, it's the luxury of traveling with me. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure and it's always a pleasure teaching with you and there's going to be more. And let me tell you a little bit about Lee Jessup. Um, her experience spans years in physical production and film development, followed by six plus years as director of ScriptShark.com. Um, she uh, uh, spearheaded a national, the National Business of Screenwriting Seminar Series, which was launched in partnership with Final Draft and the New York Times. Um, she's been an invited speaker at screenwriting conferences and festivals, both in the U.S. and Europe. She's published articles in script magazines and lately <laughs> has a book that is dropping. Your book is dropping. It's dropping. Um, and it's dropping when? In April? It's dropping in the stores April 1st. It's actually available on Amazon and from the publisher, Michael Weesey Productions, on their website, mwp.com now. Right now. Um, yeah, but the official launch date is, is um, April 1. But everybody should get it now. Why not? Absolutely. There's actually a discount on MWP. Um, you can get 25% off right now. So that's a great deal. And what's, what's the book called? The book is called Getting It Right, An Insider's Guide to a Screenwriting Career. Career, everybody, career. Career. Emphasis on career. Now, we've had Lee Jessup on before, and it was a very popular podcast, and, and I know you know people have responded well to it, and some have actually met with you since. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and what we're going to be focusing on now is what's in the book. Tell us a little bit about, about uh, sort of the, the, 
you know, what are the chapters? What sure. the, you know, what are you focusing on? What should people be looking for? Well, the reason that I started with the book, the, re- the reason I approached the book is that I felt there was a huge disconnect. Just there's a lot of literature about writing. There are great people like you who work with writers on, you know, how to really hone their craft. There's not enough so far as actual actionable information about building a career. And, and, you know, in addition to that, what there is out there, there's a lot of fluff. So I, I went about writing a book that would be a real kind of guide to constructing a career, what you need to do, the different avenues that are available to you. So, you know, I literally have one chapter, even less than that, talking about screenwriting. It's not my field. Thank God I have people like you to turn to that do what you do so well so that I can focus on the other stuff. And so the book looks at it from what do you need so far as a body of work? What kind of writer are you? Because every writer is different. While, you know, people, writers walk into a room and go, hey, I'm a screenwriter. Not two, no, two screenwriters are alike. Um, so it's really important to understand where your strengths are. Um, it looks at genre breakdown, what the industry is looking for, what's more and less popular. It looks at breaking into film versus TV, the different avenues that exist. And then the avenues to get out there that there are plenty of. Um, you know, there's a chapter on agents and managers representation, but ultimately a lot of writers out there who come to me start out with, I need an agent, I need a manager, as though that's the end all be all. The reality is that agents and managers don't produce movies. They're your advocates, but you can advocate for yourself. Um, and specifically in a time when a market is so saturated, how do you get out there? So what are the events that you want to do? go to? What do you want to engage in? Do you want to do query letters or no query letters? Do you know, are, are pitch events worthwhile for you? You look at all of those kind of things to look at the avenues that are available for the writer in order to start building a network, in order to start getting themselves out there and doing so methodically and systematically. Because building a screenwriting career is not an easy thing. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen from one script in this day and age most of the time. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule. You know, people tell me that I'm too generous when I say it takes three to, three to ten years. Some people say five to ten years. Whether you're looking at three to ten or five to ten, what do you do in those three to ten years? Mm-hmm. How do you really construct a career? Do you just sit there waiting or do you do stuff that ultimately eventually accumulates to you starting to get paid for your craft? Um, so it's, you know, it's looking at, at how do you market yourself? What do you market? Um, understanding what you are as a business, understanding that your script is your product, your services are your writing services. How do you get the word out there? How do you communicate with the industry? Um, you know, it's, it's a whole gamut of stuff that I can talk about for days and days and days because I love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I, is there, I'm going to jump to something that I didn't tell you I would jump to, but I'm just going to ask, is there anything for the international market. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because there are a lot of people who listen to this who might say, okay, well, great, but is this only for people in L.A.? Not at all. You know, we are in a culture and in a world that's really flattened over the last 10, 15 years, and the industry that much so. Um, we're seeing writers that are breaking in from around the world. I myself work with writers in Norway and Australia and England Um, you know, really across the globe. And so it's important that writers understand that there's so much that they can do before they collect all their money and move to L.A. and take that big leap. I mean, in order for a writer to break, they need to create pedigree. Pedigree can be created from anywhere. 
Um, you know, right now I'm working with a writer that I, uh, it's coming to me off the top of my head because I just spoke with him two days ago, a writer in Hawaii, um, you know, who doesn't come to the mainland so much, but has accumulated a fantastic pedigree for himself. So there's a conversation starter. There's so many avenues today that are available for writers all over the world. There's now online pitch events um, like st- Stage 32s and, and Happy Writers that really open the doors for writers that are all over the world that can just deliver the content. And as much as the market has gotten more stringent over the years, there has never been a greater hunger for content. And the industry is really looking high and low, not just because we continue to produce film, but also because TV's really broken in the last three years. Um, you know, I was, I don't joke, it's the reality of the matter. Three years ago, getting an original TV pilot read was near impossible from an unknown writer. Are you kidding me? Today, I can get it read faster than anything else. So, People and the industry as a whole is looking for content, and that content can come from anywhere. What a writer can start doing remotely is entering contests, looking for the avenues that are available for them to really confirm to the industry that they're real writers. There are a lot of kind of hoops in place that the industry placed here. A lot of people think, oh, it's so hard to get to these people. That's for a reason. There are a lot of writers who are trying to break in. It's about knowing which hoops you can jump through and get some attention for that will then amount to pedigree. Um, so certainly it's not at all impossible for writers who are remote. Is it easier in Los Angeles? Without question, and you know, and I talk about this in the book, there is no question that it's easier here. Uh, same as if you're trying to break into fashion, if you're in Paris or Milan or New York, it's easier than if you're in Kentucky. Doesn't mean you can't be a great designer in Kentucky and get out there. Same thing with film and, and TV. Doesn't mean you can't write a great script in Australia or in Belfast, or anywhere else. The, the real thing is that you just have to have a mastery of the language. What about um, getting produced locally first? Um, it really depends where. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, if you, can get, if you can get produced in a country that speaks English, so Australia, um, Australia Canada, England, um, some European countries will produce um, some material in English. That material tends to go over better. Um, directors have an easier time getting produced locally in foreign languages, so Brazil, Japan, um, and then making that leap. For writers, because it is the dialogue, it is the, re- the written wor- word, um, getting produced in English-speaking languages, uh, languages in English-speaking countries certainly has a benefit to it. And we've seen writers from Australia who broke in Australia, then came here, broke in England, then came here, um, who've done those kind of leaps. And you mentioned trends, and I think the last time you were on the show, how long ago was it, a year? It was, okay, this is how my brain works. It was January 16th, 2012. What? Or I'm sorry, December 16th, 2012. Okay, so how does your brain work? What? It did- does that. <laughs> Just- it collects that information. Don't, don't ask. So you have like opposite brain of me? Is that, <laughs> is that the thing? That's- I'm a hoarder. I'm oh. really, I'm a hoarder. I just hoard in my brain. So my house appears to be the house of a normal person, but in my brain, I'm a hoarder. How awesome is that? Lee's already turned her clock back for October. Yes. <laughs> She's fantastic. She doesn't need to write things on mirrors like you do, nope. which is which is nice. Okay, so, so, uh, so December, all right, mm-hmm. so of 2000, 2012. So have there been any changes in trends since then? And we talk about the fact of like, don't try and chase them too much because by the time you catch up with these trends, they'll be over anyway. But is there something that you're seeing from a career point of view for people who've actually finished all their scripts 
and there are trends out there right now. Anything that, that you're seeing since we last talked? Well, a couple of things, a couple of fairly big things happened. One thing is that comedy had a tough, tough year in uh, feature specs last year. Um, a big reason for that is that for the better part of the year, two studios sat out spec sales, and they're both comedy-driven studios. So Sony and Paramount uh, both sat out almost entirely spec sales. I believe Sony kind of showed up late, um, or Paramount one or the other. Um, so those comedy that's usually in the top three spot of spots of selling uh, genre se- of of selling specs every year really dropped last year. I think I think it's like number four or five this year. Hmm. It's never happened. Um, now, does that mean comedy is dead? No, not at all. Um, but it, it means that there is more hesitation right now in buying comedy, and I do feel the market is kind of waiting to see where comedy is going. We hit a pinnacle with bridesmaids with those kind of movies and the market's looking to see what is the the next iteration of comedy and within that romantic comedy because romantic comedy is really dead right now we are not seeing romantic comedies in the market does that mean they're not going to come back not at all it means the market is looking for that new flavor i think that new flavor is Silver Linings Playbook. People don't look at that Absolutely. as a romantic comedy, which yeah. is exactly what it was. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. But, you know, then they look for the David O. Russells of the world to lead with that. I believe there are more scripts than that that are going to surface and the industry is going to start buying. And I actually think it's going to be a really good next couple of years for comedy and romantic comedies because they took such a dive um, last year. Um, but that's certainly something that we saw happen. The second thing that we see that we're seeing happening is on the TV front. E! just announced its first scripted series. Bravo's doing a scripted series. WeTV is doing a scripted series. It really is everywhere because we haven't hit critical mass. When you talk to folks in representation, they will tell you cablers are just breaking. So as far as they're concerned, the whole you know AMC glory days, we are just scraping the surface of where TV's going. Um, you know, the one-hour television drama is the hottest thing on the market right now. Um, while it's really tough to break in that area because everybody's trying to break, that is the area that I find just has the most excitement in the market that wasn't so much in this in this particular space a year and a half ago. Now, part of the reason, naturally, is shows like Breaking Bad that grew a thousand percent between premiere date and series finale. That's an insane growth rate. The takeoff of Netflix really affected that in terms of TV, streaming, streaming media, and then launching its own shows. So we are seeing more and more opportunities. Um, you know, we're no longer in the space where we were years ago with shows like Flash Forward and Pushing Daisies that a lot of people loved, but there was the sentiment, oh, it never found its audience. You don't see shows fall through the cracks right now. Um, so there is a lot of interest in where one-hour TV is going how far you can push one hour TV and Breaking Bad really did break the mold there. Um, and I think, you know, I think comedy is going to come right back up um, because it had such a rough year last year. Um, now with one hour, uh, is it possible for a new writer to create a one hour series? I know this just sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, because so many people are, are, are looking for new content for, for one hour, um, is it possible? I mean, Absolutely. Could, could other people be Mark Cherries, for example? Absolutely. Um, there are upsides and downsides to TV right now. The upside is that there is a great deal of hunger. The downside is that everybody and their mother is trying to get into this TV 
powerhouse and, and get the TV payday, which is, with any luck, you know, a few years of consistent pay. You can live in the same house. You don't have to travel. You know, you know where you're shooting. It's all, it's all good. Um, so you do see a lot of feature writers making the migration to TV because that's where it's at. But we are also seeing that there's a a great deal of hunger for content. So I'm seeing a lot of first-time writers or writers that haven't done TV before break into TV or get interest from representation based on TV pilots um, that just would not have happened three, four years ago. It, it was an impossibility. It wasn't a maybe sort of somewhere. Not at all. You, the process used to be that you had to be staffed, that you then had to come up with your original idea. Then, you know, when you made it to EP on your show, hopefully you got to go around with your pilot and talk about it. It's not that way anymore. I mean, we know people in common who have <laughs> managed to get representation on pilots who haven't broken into TV yet and and their representation is really excited um you know i have a few writers who got repped based on pilots um and representation is really excited to get it out and and i have one client with bender spank they got his stuff into some really big hands because people are looking um and in the 90s we had this this golden age of film where you can get anything financed anywhere you know it was one of those really fascinating times in film um and there's actually a vanity fair article about it. if your listeners can find it it's a fantastic one about the, the spec market days in, in the 90s um but then you could get film financed all the time and there was a there were a lot of sources of financing i mean it, it happened for a reason this decline because a lot of our german sources for film finance have disappeared now we're financing films out of the united arab emirates and from brett retner, retner. Um, you know, but we don't have as many sources for financing. We do have more and more outlets for TV. This is why it's happening because everybody's looking for that content. Google's looking for content. Yahoo's looking for content. Amazon's looking for content. We are just constantly inventing more avenues for content and they're not drying up. Um, and with content and viewers comes ad sales, comes financing. Um, so that's the reason why today a new writer can certainly, if the pilot is strong enough, can certainly get some attention. But the pilot really does have to be as strong as can be. How, how much, let's say that you're not in L.A. Let's say I'm um, a new writer and I'm in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm in Ohio and I just finished my first feature spec. I really like it. I, I think that it's working. I'm anxious to get it out there. How realistically, how much content should I have before... I start approaching people, or can I just try and get eyes on my script now? Well, first of all, the first thing that you said to me that kind of raised the red flag is I just finished my first script. Mm -hmm. First script is never going to be that good. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, as much as, as one may love their first script, that's really where they learn. Um, So you need to get onto your second, third, fourth script now. Um, I find that unless you have the one script and only the one script and you want to see that produced, in which case you're not trying to build a career. You're trying to get a movie made. That's an entirely different conversation. For a career, you need to build a body of work. Um, So I generally like to see writers with at least two strong vetted scripts. Now, what do I mean when I say vetted scripts? I mean scripts that somebody like you looked at and said, it's ready to go. I mean, somebody that an industry reader looked at um, and said, okay, it's ready, it's up to par. Not your mother, not your best friend, not your husband, not any one of those things. So the material is really ready because once you get the material out there, if it doesn't receive the 
love and accolades that you expected, it's done. It, you don't get to come back in six months and say, oops, that was wrong. Um, so you really have to make sure that one script is really, really ready. That said, I want you to have two or three scripts, a body of ideas, so five ideas that are in brand, three ideas that are out of brand, so f five ideas that are in the general genre that you've been writing for. Um, I do like to see writers stay within a genre right off the bat because that's building their identity, and I talk about it at length in the book that this industry is not going to sell you if it doesn't know what it's, what it's selling, if it doesn't understand what you are as a writer. The best way to explain who you are in your, as a writer is in your writing, is to deliver a body of work that makes sense. If you're a thriller writer, you want to stay in thrillers. Nobody does everything great. You have to make sure that you stay where you're good and strong and deliver a couple of pieces in that. Because honestly, I've never had a writer go to representation and take a meeting over one script and have the rep say, Okay, done. We're good. Anything else? We're, we're signed. We're, we're running. Everybody wants to see a second sample because if we're looking at a career versus making a movie, they're going to want to know that you can replicate the effort, that you can do it again and again and again, that it isn't just the one script that you got really lucky with. You know, I, I, wanna, I just want to argue one thing, though, for, for just a second. Argue because away. You, yeah, because you said that um, the first script people are learning on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I don't know from... From my vantage point, what I see are people are learning what their expertise is, what their genre expertise is as they write. So they might have written a thriller for their first one, but that's actually not where their strengths lie. When they have sort of, oh, but I have this comedy in my head, and they write that, suddenly it lands. So wouldn't it sort of take a little bit of exploring oh, the, the projects you want to write till you find absolutely. out what you're good at and what your brand is? Listen, I had a writer come to me, and she's one of my favorite clients. I adore her. We've been working together for about a year and a half now she came to me with a sci-fi script mm -hmm. it wasn't her genre she really wanted it to be her genre but it wasn't and so we sat and started talking through ideas and I find that talking to writers about their ideas about what's surfacing for them about what's unique that's usually what starts directing you into what the writer's brand is because you'll find where the strongest ideas are at she started coming in with these thriller ideas that were completely out of the box out of this world incredibly strong and she had to completely shift she just finished um, her first thriller end of last year really great. She's now holding to write the second thriller that will hopefully come in just as strong. It's looking like it's going to. Um, but I agree with you that often on the first script you just learn so you don't know your genre yet, but that means that your first script shouldn't go out there. Makes sense. Because if you write a horror script for your first one and then you come in with a family drama, it's not connected. It doesn't connect for the industry. When when you take a screenplay out to a production company, the reality is that everybody in this industry specializes in something. So agents know how to sell you and how to package you based on your brand. They sell you to production companies that deal with that type of movie um, or that type of a TV show. Not everybody does everything. When you're a studio and you, you have a bunch of in-house deals, sure, you can try different things. Fox, that you know, does a lot of family stuff, just released its, its first low-budget horror film. They're a studio. They can do that. Um, but short of that, production companies do a specific thing as well. Lionsgate, yeah, now it's doing Madman and Hunger Games, but for years it was a horror company. This is what they did. This is what they specialized in. They built themselves on Saw. Um, they built themselves on those small movies, and they brought an artisan that, did, that was more of a comedy brand and put those two together. 
But you have to understand that when you're going and meeting with a production company, they're looking at you for a specific voice. They're not looking at you because they're saying, oh, they have a great, you know, family drama. Maybe they have, you know, a, a really great psychological thriller in there, in there somewhere as well. It's just not what they do. Um, so if you have clarity about where you are as a writer and that comes in with your work and with your body of work, it's not a conversation. It's, it's proof of concept, if you will. Um, then there's clarity about how to sell you, who you can work with, who you're a good match for. Um, because, again, everybody specializes in something. Now, I know a guy who specializes in something, okay? <laughs> so he's, uh, he's really funny, incredibly charming, and that's also what's expressed in his, in his writing as well. He also does some stand-up. Um, and, uh, hmm. uh, yeah, so he's, he's, you know, he's just uh, like, I would see this guy, you know, as sort of, uh, he's been developing his brand a little bit. So, um, Lee Jessup, meet Ryan Buds. Oh, hi. Um, oh, it was me. Yeah. Didn't see you there. Yeah. And I, I was, was like, just, Pat hasn't done stand up in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, about. I said, charming man, charming. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, the, the, the I, let's get some, let's get some free work out of Lee. Okay. Let's <laughs> do that. All right. So, um, if you were going to sit down down with with Ryan mm-hmm. okay like I said lots of stand-up experience he's written a feature spec you came out here and you actually ha- came out here to write for you had a, a, a pilot that that did well right or that that got uh, you some work or... I did the Nickelodeon option yeah was, yeah, yeah. Uh, wrote like a script with a friend for uh, Kiki Palmer mm-hmm. uh, she was on Nickelodeon True Jackson VP and uh, Akila and the B she was little girl in that um so that kind of brought me out here um i have not done anything with that in a long time but so you, yeah, so yeah. so he's got some work and he's got some eyes on him okay and of course we can't forget sharknado so <laughs> of um, course right so so if you were sitting down with ryan what would be another question or two that you would ask him in a career coaching situation to try and get more of a sense of what to do with this guy well first of all i would want to know where you're going so okay. where are you trying to get what has been the biggest highlight for you mm-hmm. in your career? Because we want to always make sure that we put pedigree front and center. Sure. I find that a lot of, of writers bury the lead, if you will, um, you know, and, and approach the industry. Here, I have the script, and I'm just a nobody from Chicago, and I recently moved to L.A., where in reality is I had an option with Nickelodeon. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Sure. Um, so it really is about knowing where you want to go, understanding what, where you're looking to develop as a writer. So this Nickelodeon thing, is that in the tone and the voice that you want to write moving forward? If it's not, then we have to have that conversation. Because yeah. if you're not seeing yourself as a Nickelodeon writer, but rather you're seeing yourself as an adult swim writer, uh-huh. we may not be able to leverage it quite as much as we want to. We will lever- leverage it simply because it happened. Yeah. And we want to, you know, the industry is kind of like the mafia. We want to make sure that somebody vouched for you at some point. Sure. And Nickelodeon is a vouch. Right. Um, And so we want to take that and run with it. But we also want to figure out where you want to go with that voice so that we know how to position that leverage. Gotcha. Is it so what if I consider myself like an adult swim writer and a Nickelodeon writer? Is that something you don't like you said earlier, you kind of want to focus. You want to plant your feet firmly somewhere. Gotcha. Um, it could know. be that MTV is that actual middle ground. Yeah, if you be. talk about the two of them, it's sure. sort of like that's where you are right now with yeah. your job. Well, we talked about this in the last script that you read for me, Pilar. It was a pilot called Father Father about a priest who finds out he has three kids uh, from a sperm donation. So um, you had said to me, you're like, I kind of saw it as this. 
um, homage to 80 sitcoms, live action, um, adult swim, kind of like, see what we're doing? There's no, Mm -hmm. you know, like, remember these types of cheesy sitcoms? And Pilar said, I really see this more as like, almost like a Disney Channel, Nickelodeon show that could stand on its own as a legit sitcom, not a parody of a sitcom. Got it. Because um, it, it wasn't. It was more legit than it was parody. When sure. you read it, all the parody moments felt like a mistake <laughs> instead yeah. of like because it was really it was very well written and it, and it actually had a lot of heart to it. And in my head, I would rather have a show that is tongue in cheek, like on the Adult Swim Network. But I am all for having a show, you know, on the Disney Channel. You know, I I don't really know how to pick. Do you know what I mean? I think that ultimately you have to go with your gut. You have to go with also where your other ideas take you. Mm-hmm. So that's where you take a step back and you go, okay, after I'm done with this, what do I want to write? Yeah. What is my next project? Does it go well with Disney or does it go back with Adult Swim or does it go to MTV or does it go to Nick Jr.? Yeah. Where does it end up? Are we talking ABC Family? What are we talking about? So that you can look at the trajectory of where you're going as a writer. Because if you get yourself into Disney, for example, you're going to be expected to, to produce more of that Disney-driven material. Sure. After two or three, you're going to be able to make the leap anywhere you want to go. But gotcha. right off the bat, you're going to have to solidly establish yourself in that particular pool. Gotcha. Um, so you want to look at some what is some of what is the next concept you want to write, what is the next pilot you have in you, what is the next feature you have in you. So you have a real understanding of where you're going and then position this work accordingly. Okay. Because, I mean, you and I have a writer that we both work with who shall remain nameless for this conversation um, who wrote a, f- a fantastic pilot whose manager is not getting it out um, simply because the pilot is in an ABC family voice and the writer wants to write kind of much more dark, sinister, thrillery kind of material. And so the manager simply doesn't want to establish her in a, in a place where she won't be able to deliver in the future. She doesn't want to deliver in the future. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, okay. I know who's asked to kick. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't quite realize that was going on. So that's good to know. I mean, not to that extent. So, I mean, like, Whoops. yeah, no, no, no. Did so, I let the cat out? No, that's good. Cause I can, you know, I can give a little nudge, nudge. That's, that's, that's not bad. Um, so, you know, what's interesting, Ryan, I think too, about what you, you said, like when we worked on, on that pilot, mm-hmm. just because you wrote something with an intention and then you find out, no, I actually wrote this and that's good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you can't still, because you're still in developing your brand, I would imagine, mm-hmm. yeah. write something with that intention and really make that work because now you're committing to that intention. Sure. Yeah. So sure. I, I would hate to see you go like, well, I wrote this. It's good for this, so I guess I'll, that's going to be my brand now. I think you should be like, no, I really, really yeah. want to be like a, an edgier sort of parody writer. Mm-hmm. This is good, but it's not worth getting out there if it's going to put me into a niche I don't want to be in. Exactly. Write the parody. Exactly. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. And that's where we go back to career and really thinking about this in the long term. I mean, the, the big change that happened in the industry really started in 2008. You know, we had the big writer strike. It was the strike where we lost the battle, won the war, or lost the war, won the battle, um, I should say. But really, at that point, specs stopped selling quite as much. Assignments started going strictly to studio-approved writers. And so we got to this place where agents and managers saw that it took twice the time to break a writer, twice the time to, to sell a script for half the money. So it really became about careers. It stopped being about selling the spec and walking away. You can no longer sell a spec for millions of dollars and walk away for a spec. It just doesn't happen. So 
everybody's looking to develop writers and develop them for a career. Now, there's always a hitch with the brand, which is your brand is not truly established until something of yours hit. Um, you know, you can have five scripts in five different, or five scripts in one genre and one script in another genre, and that's the script that takes off. Suddenly, that's what everybody wants to see from you, and that's something that everybody should be aware of, that there, there can be that pivot um, but you should be ready for that. Um, you know, but we are in this place where agents and managers want to develop careers. Studios and production companies want to work with writers who are here for the long run. Um, you know, we are, the industry is no longer buying concepts, which is why we saw so many spec sale in the, in the nineties, you bought a concept, you bought a, a script that was close enough with a concept and then brought in 17 writers to rewrite the material. Um, so everybody really is looking at, how do you build a career in this space? And because of that, the book that I wrote is so much more targeted towards the long term, three to 10 years. How do you get out there? How do you build a career? Because frankly, it's near impossible to show up and just sell something at this point in time. You interviewed Scotty Mullen um, a few months ago. Great podcast. Scotty is an unusual story. The guy who shows up and within six months is in, in production on a movie that he got to write. Those stories don't happen a lot. The reason we remember them is because they're exceptions to the rule. They're not the rule. The rule is you have to put in a lot of hard work. You have to really um, you know, fight for it, want it. The, the opening of my book, and I said this, and, and regretfully I hate that I have to, but the opening of my book says, if you want it to be easy, don't read this book. It'll just piss you off. Um, and it will. It's, it is a hard work. It is being really diligent. It is, you know, not leaving anything to chance. It is about being really methodical about it. If you don't want to hear that, then certainly you can go about building career the way that's comfortable for you. Certainly don't read my book. Um, but you can go and, and try in the way that's comfortable for you. But, but, you know, my goal is to help writers get closer to the career that they want to see and, and take some real tangible steps um, to make that happen rather than throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, nothing sticks, you know, run and hide, write another script, not sure what to do with it. Okay, give it to one person and, you know, go to the Bahamas for six months because they're shell-shocked by the industry. Um, Ooh, does this all end with going to the Bahamas? <laughs> because wait a minute. I have one writer who used to go to Thailand for three months every time he'd finish a script because he was too traumatized about having to get out there. Like literally, he'd like pack up all his stuff, go to, go to Thailand, sit on a beach, and then come back and go, okay, what do I need to do? He'd do two things, then he'd go right. I think he should write a script about whatever was happening in Thailand. Yeah. I, I think know. that's, that's what's, where the real movie Doing is. Doing shots of snake's blood. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Coconuts on the beach, man. <laughs> so um, I want to remind everybody uh, first of all, to go get Lee Jessup's book, um, go to mwp.com and the name of it one more time. Getting It Right, An Insider's Guide to a Screenwriting Career. Getting It Right, W-R-I-T-E? Yep. All right, cool. And then here's, here's the awesome part. So March 30th, everybody, whether you live here or whether you live elsewhere, write this down. March 30th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, Lee and I are teaching our class on uh, our, our career class, and it's called Cracking Your Screenwriting Career. Um, <laughs> and uh, Lee is going to tell you the cracking it part, and she's going to give you some really solid information, as you can see. Uh, she is a terrific authority on how to break in. 
And then I am going to take over and talk about pitching your idea Which and pitching yourself. Which is so critical. Yourself. Yeah, because, because well, a lot of what you talk about is how what's your brand. So my job is then to say, well, how do you pitch your brand? Absolutely. And you're going to need to do that on a really casual level when you bump into somebody that, that, that is mildly interested and on a really intense level when after you've gotten it, um, some eyes on your specs, somebody brings you in for a meeting. So we're going to cover all that in three hours. Why? Because we can. <laughs> we can do I it. I can't wait. It's yes. going to be a blast. Yes. Yeah, listen, writers don't know how to talk about themselves. Writers know how to write and that's the medium where they're comfortable. But in today's reality, writers need to know how to talk about themselves, about their work, about their brand. And that's where you come in. And what you provide writers is just so invaluable. Oh, thank you, Lee. All right. Well, we'll just, we'll just compliment each other for the rest of the <laughs> no, no, you. You. No, you. No, no you. you. Um, but here's the deal. Um, it is streaming live. That means that anybody, anywhere can watch it. And not only is it streaming live, we are going to record the class. And if you miss it, because let's say you're in Australia and it's, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning or something. Don't worry about it. The entire class will be uh, recorded and sent to you. The we're, we're hoping for the very next day for, for the Monday following Fantastic. class. I don't see any reason why not. Now, this will be um, brought to you uh, via WebEx, which means that you need to get the information from us a couple of days in advance, and it'll tell you how to you know set things up properly. It is not hard, but just in case it is hard for you, I've also got my nephew, Kyle Dotson, <laughs> as your tech guy, your personal tech guy, and you can get in touch with him, and he will walk you through it. Um, so go to onthepage.tv, go to the classes section, and in the classes section is the career class live and the career class online. Be careful which one you sign up for. They have different prices, and, uh, and, and you want to make sure you're signing up for the right class. If you are in Los Angeles, um, we still have some spots available, so you are absolutely welcome to come to the live class. We would love that. But do sign up now because it's filling up pretty quickly. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. Did we cover If you everything? say so. Absolutely. All right. All right. Yeah. Come to class. We want to see you. And also tune in to us online. Ryan Buds can be found um, on Twitter at, at RyanBudsy.com. No. At, at Ryan Buds. Just got retweeted by uh, Book of Mormon. Because I said I was going on Saturday. <laughs> that was very exciting And they were me. like, Ryan Buds is going to, to no, our he's, show. He's going to be. We must be doing something right. <laughs> their little show that's right maybe somebody will finally come pay attention yeah, to us that's right i think i'll get the word out about it <laughs> so go to it's at, just a little show yeah <laughs> at ryan buds um also uh ryan is an incredible stand-up like i said and also hosts trivia night so if you're local go to burbank right burbank bar and grill sunday nights seven to nine seven, one of these days yeah one of these days i'm trying to get kyle to come tonight tell him when you get home I, I will. Well, yeah. by the time I get home, you're, you'll be on stage. I'm oh, here all right. day, baby. This is what I do. I never leave. <laughs> that's right. And uh, like I said, go buy Lee's book. Go take our class. Also, uh, LeeJessup.com. Is that right? That is it. Awesome. And she's an incredible career coach. She's been working with several of my writers. And uh, and they all say really good things. So, I love your writers. They're so talented. Aren't they so talented? And gorgeous to boot. I know. So. I have like really good looking writers, too. I yeah, don't know Pilar what's up. Yeah, has the, you know, the writer slash modeling <laughs> 
group. <laughs> and soon it's going to be like a, like a dating service too. I, I think it's just all things. Like pretty talented people who mate. Something like that. Exactly. It sounds like a TV show. <laughs> it does. Um, uh, yeah, and check out on the page.tv for our class and for other things that are coming up. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I have, uh, I want to thank Andrew Stamp. Um, Andrew Stamp just sent a $50 donation. Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, he is a film composer and he says that his wife is a closet screenwriter. Um, she listens to the podcast and he mentioned that, um, the things that she was telling him actually inspired him with his film composition as as well and now he's writing the score for his second feature film Um, he's out of the UK but I've certainly said that when he comes to the US we'd love to have him on the show because we haven't talked about film scoring yet and I think that that would be really helpful for writers to know how does someone lift the music out of oh, yeah. their, their out of their words out of their own music, um, so uh, congratulations uh, to Andrew on what he's doing and thank you very much for your donation of fifty bucks. Now we can pay Ryan Buds. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody out there, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lee. Thanks thank for you, having Ryan. me. And everyone, have a good writing week. <laughs>